Greetings and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I am privileged to be studying Sefer Divrei Hayamim with you. We have completed Divrei Hayamim Aleph and are now um, towards the beginning of Sefer Divrei Hayamim Bet, a description of Shlomo's building of the Mikdash. And now we come to Parakei, which concludes the building of the Mikdash and the bringing of the Aron into the Mikdash, which is the beginning of Parak Chet in Sefer Malachim. We'll find several anachronistic phrases in this Parak um, and comments upon them when we get there. Parakei Pasuk So all of the work that Shlomo did for the house of Hashem was completed. Uh, this uh, echoes the phrase at the end of Parshat Pekudei, it was all completed. And we'll see several other parallels. Shlomo brought all of the sancta of David his father, meaning all the things David had prepared. The gold, silver and gold, and all of the kelim. Then he put them into the treasure houses, which are part of the building. As Yakel Shlomo Israel, that phrase again, Avot. So he brings all of the elders, the heads of the tribes, the heads of the families, all to Shalim. For what purpose? And this phrase to bring up, to elevate, which is topographically, altitudinally accurate also, to go from Ir David up to Harabait. To bring the Aaron that has the Brit of Hashem from Ir David, which is known as Tzion. And that we already saw earlier in Divriya Amim Aleph. Also in Sefer Shmuel Bet, that Ir David is called Tzion. To bring it up to the new building that has just been built, to bring the Aaron in. Over the phrasing, to gather everybody, Laha'alot, that Aaron Brit Hashem, echoes David's actions uh, in bringing the Aaron from Kiryat Yarim to Yerushalayim, which of course famously happened in two stages, uh, with the stop at Beit Oved Edom. Vayikahalu el Hamelach Kol Ish Yisrael Bechag. So all of them gathered uh, during the festival. Which festival? Who Hachodesh Hashvi'i, the seventh month. In other words, Sukkot. Vayavoru Kol Zinei Yisrael Vayisu Halviim Et Aaron. So all of the elders come, and the Leviim carried the Aaron, which echoes, of course, David's understanding that we have in Divrehamim, in which he understands that the Levim already carried the Aaron, and that was what had happened at Uzzah, at Peretz Uzzah, and why Uzzah died, because it was carried on the wagon. Here the Levim are going to carry the Aaron into the Mikdash. And this is unlike what's described in Malachim, where the Kohanim carried the Aaron. So they bring the Aaron, and the Ohamoid, meaning whatever's left of the Mishkan, and all of the Kleakodesh that are in that Ohel, Halvi'im. So the Kohanim now bring it in, and the confusing phrase, Halvi'im, which is um, common in Chumash only in Sefer Dvarim, and then shows up famously in Sefer Malachi, is used here again, and, and a little bit blurs the distinction, and it's unclear who's carrying all of these things. So Shlomo and the whole people who are standing in front of him are standing in front of the Aaron. 
Mizabachim Tsonu Bakar. While this is happening, they are slaughtering flock and cattle. Shaloi Safru Vloy Manu Merov. So many that they can't even be counted. And unlike uh, the implications there from Lachim, where the Kohanim were not really able to get in right away with the Aron, and now it is the Kohanim are bringing the Aron in, of course, because the Levim cannot bring it into the Mikdash, they cannot enter the Mikdash, they bring it to its place in the Kodesh HaKodashim, and put it under the wings of the Kruvim. So unlike the description that we have um, in the Mishkan, in which there is an Aron, and on top of the Aron there is a Kaporet, and on top of the Kaporet are the Kruvim, which which implies that they are always brought together. Here the Kruvim are set up, and the Aron is, as it were, slid underneath the wings of the Kruvim. Vayua Kruvim porsim Kanafayim, and the Kruvim, as we heard already in the previous parak, had their wings spread. Al Mekom Haron, over the place of the Aron. And the Kruvim covered up the Aron and the staves from above. But the staves were longer. If you were standing in the Mikdash, you could see the ends of the staves poking out through the parochet, not through, pushing the parochet out, but you couldn't see the staves themselves, you could just see the image of them pushing out, and this of course is anachronism, to write in Amim, being written during the Persian period, that these are here until this very day, is just not true, because the Aaron is gone before the destruction of the Mikdash, certainly is no longer there when the Mikdash is destroyed, and is not present at the second Mikdash. So to say Arayomazem means the author of Diveramim borrowed this phrase from Sefer Malachim and wanted to keep it in his complete fashion as if to bring the reader into that time period of an uninterrupted Mikdash with everything still in its place, which of course is not historically accurate to what has transpired as of this point. Ein Ba'aron Rak Shnei Haluchot Asheratan Moshe Vachorev the only thing in the Aron is the two tablets that Moshe got in Chorev. There's no mention here of two sets of tablets, Luchot Rishonot, Luchot Shniot. There's no mention of Tzinsana Taman. There's no mention of Matei Aron. There's no mention of Sefer Torah or other things that seem to be either in or in front of the Aron. That Brit that Hashem had made with Bnei Yisrael when they left Egypt. When the Kohanim left the Mikdash, all the Kohanim who were present had been sanctified, meaning at this particular event, we were not operating with the Mishmarot, but rather any Kohen who was present was able to come in and participate if they were Tahor. So the Kohanim, the Levim, who were the singers, remember we have Levim who are singers, we have Levim who are gatekeepers, all assigned by David, by families. Again, there's no Mishmarot, so they're all there. And that includes Asaf and Heman and Yidutun, the three famous choir leaders and music leaders and their sons and their brothers and the whole family. Lubashim boots, they're wearing special linen clothes and they have B'mitziltayim, which is like triangles or symbols, V'nivalim, liars, uh, liars, Kinorot, which are harps, Umdim Mizrach, 
on Mizbeach. They're standing east, meaning outside of the Mizbeach. The Mizbeach is west of them, and west of that is the building. Vimahem Kohanim Esrim. And there's 120 Kohanim Machtsurim Bachatzotzrot. Blasting the trumpets. And from here we get the halachar. There can never be less than two chatzotzrot. You can never have more than 120 learned from this pasuk. You can never have less than two. is from the fact that it's yitku bachatzotzrot. And here we have a description that the trumpeters who are blasting and the singers who are singing are all singing in unison. And the way that some read it is, as opposed to an antiphonal call and response, this is all a planned musical um, presentation, which is all done together. To praise and to give thanks to God. And when the voice was raised, with the trumpets and the cymbals and all of the other instruments, and with praise to Hashem, who is good and His kindness is forever. That phrase, which of course we're familiar with from Pirkei Tehillim that we recite in Hallel, uh, and also in other Pirkei Tehillim, uh, Kufav, Kufzain, um, is also prominent in late bite Rishon literature. We find it in, uh, in passage in Yahu, and in Baichini literature, we find it in Ezra and Nehemiah. In the meantime, the Bayit now fills with a cloud, which is the sign of acceptance, the sign the Shekhinah has come down in the Beit Hashem. And now, now, it's unclear where these Kohanim were. As of the description, the Kohanim were out in the Azarah. And so what's how do we read Veloyachlu? So the reality is we could read Veloyachlu two ways. One is ability, one is permission. Meaning they could not or they were not allowed to. If we read they could not, the word Kohanim were not able to stand and serve because of the cloud, then we have to read one of two things. Either the cloud was outside in the Azara, where the Kohanim were, or this or is referring to the Kohanim who were inside the Kodesh. The other possibility is loyachlu was permission that they were not allowed to serve because the presence of the Anan made it forbidden for them to try to act at all. Because God's glory had filled the house. However, that last phrase seems to indicate that the Anan was inside, which means either the Kohanim are inside and are not able to serve, or it means the Kohanim are outside and they're not allowed to serve. Now, the possibility, of course, that we could have entertained was that the, the cloud was outside also in the courtyard and that they were nobody was able to serve as that as a result, but then it would have also mentioned the Levi'im. So it seems that the cloud was inside the Bayit, that cloud which we heard of at Harsinai, at Matanzar, we heard of at the at the very last Pasuk at Sefer Shmot with the um, the uh, God's divine acceptance of the Mishkan and residing there. We saw it in the story of the man with the cloud coming down, in the, in the, in, in the interaction uh, with Korach, with the cloud coming down, and that being a demonstration of God's presence being manifest, happens here also to demonstrate God's willingness and acceptance of this house that Shlomo had built for him. Uh, we'll pause at this point, pick it up with the next parak, Parak Vav, which is a representation, part of 
the tefillah uh, that Shlomo offers, that of course is much, much longer in Sefer Malachim Aleph, it's about uh, about one and a half times as long in Malachim, um, and includes several components that are not here. We'll take a look at that in the next podcast. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.